Come on. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts 28. Make some noise. And I want to title this message, Bit But Not Bitter. Bit But Not Bitter. And we're going we're gonna to read through Acts 28, verse 1 through 10. There's this moment where Paul gets bit, not by a person. Some of y'all have been bit by your kids, maybe bit by your spouse, bit by life. I saw a news article of someone getting bit in Florida. A lot of things happen in Florida, but this guy just was walking around biting people. And uh, sometimes life bites, reality bites. Sometimes life is not easy, but you have a choice to get bitter or to get better when you've been bit by life. But are you at Acts 28? Come on, here we go. Verse one, once we were safely on shore, we found out that the island we had shipwrecked on was called Malta. The islanders on Malta showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and they welcomed us all because it was raining and it was cold. So I know the picture behind me looks really nice and you're like, I would like to go there. But this was not on their map. This was not a part of their plan. And uh, it was freezing cold. They had literally just been through a shipwreck. They had to float on pieces of wood from their boat that fell apart. Um, and here they are. They're, they're trying to build a fire to get warm because it's cold. It's rainy. They're wet. So Paul doesn't want to be seen as a lazy man. He's, he's thinking, okay, I want to help. I want to be a part of the dream team. I want to serve. Shout out to the dream team, the ushers, the parking lot team, the, the greeters in the lobby, the nursery team. So Paul is like, I want to serve. I want to help. I don't want to. I know I'm tired. I know I haven't slept in days, but I want to be a part of the serve team. So he starts picking up the wood to, to bring over to the fire. And as he's getting closer to the fire and, and starting to lay the wood in the fire, a viper is driven out by the heat and fastens itself to Paul's hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from Paul's hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead or turn into a walker, a zombie. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to Paul, people will wait for a long time to watch what happens to you? And after they saw nothing, somebody said, keep on watching. God's not finished with me yet. They changed their minds and they said, he must be a God. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, which by the way, if you're, if you're planning to name your child a name here soon, if you've got a baby on the way, just Baby, don't put Publius as one of the names. If your name is Publius, you're welcome to victory. We love you. We're so glad you're here. But just, you know, the chief official of the island, he welcomed us into his house. He showed us generous hospitality. He cooked for us for three days. We were there. And then we saw that his father was sick. His dad was in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. So Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came to his house and they were cured of their sickness and disease. After this, they honored us in many ways. We left with more than what we came with. When we were ready to sail, they furnished us with all the supplies that we needed. Some of you have been through the worst storm of your life, 
but you're about to come out of that storm with more than what you walked into it with. God's about to bless you for the trouble and the trial. Some of you have been in the worst snake bite situation. You don't know even how to describe it. All you know is it was venomous. It was poisonous. It was meant to kill you, but somehow you're still here. And I just got, I feel like this word is for someone here, someone who's watching online. You've been bit, but you're not going to be bitter. You're going to come out better. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today through your word. Let us leave changed, refreshed, revived, renewed, encouraged, and ready for what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you, Josh. Let's give the worship team a big hand one more time. Great job to the worship team. So thankful for the team. So how many of y'all in the room ever ended up somewhere that you did not plan on being? It was like, you got diverted. This happened to me one time. We were on a, a plane ride. We were headed towards Little Rock, and there was a crazy storm there. I was going there to preach, and we couldn't land because the storm was so bad. So they diverted us, not to another town nearby, but all the way to a different state. They landed us in Memphis, Tennessee. And so here we were in a city that I wasn't planning on being in, and we had to rent a car. I had to rent a car and find a way to drive back to Little Rock through this storm. This is where Paul's at. He's trying to get to Rome, but he's been diverted. The wind has pushed him in the wrong direction. The wind has driven him to a place that wasn't supposed to be where he would be at. This wasn't part of his plan. He's seen other people go to this place before. He had heard about other people going to this place, but now he's dealing with it. Some of you have watched other people go through things and you go, I will never end up like that. I will never have to walk through that, but here you are. And you've walked through some stuff and your parents have walked through some stuff and your family has walked through some stuff and somehow you're in Malta and you're trying to figure out why am I in Malta? Why did this happen to me? Why am I in a place that I didn't plan on being? And I love that Paul, instead of complaining about Malta, he learns how to make the most in Malta. Before we get to the snake bite, let's just talk about how do you make the most in Malta? How do you realize that there's more in Malta than meets the eye? Just say this with me. There's more in Malta than meets the eye. Now, for some of y'all, I need to say this. There's more in Tulsa than meets the eye. Some of you are going, why am I here? Why am I in this season? Why am I still single? Why have I not found the person I'm supposed to marry? Why have I not? Why have we not had kids? Why, why are we still struggling? Why am I still struggling with this addiction, this habit? Why am I still in this season of life? Why am I in Malta? Paul learned how to make the most in Malta. How you treat here will determine how you end up there. If there is the place that you want to be, if Rome is the place where God has called you to go, you will never get there until you learn how to make the most of Malta right here. Some people say, I just can't wait to get into ministry someday. If you don't get into ministry right now and start a connect group and start serving on the dream team, you probably won't get into ministry someday down the road. It starts right here. I can't wait till someday I can bless somebody when I have enough money to give and help some people. If you don't learn how to use what you have right now, you got time, you got a chainsaw, you got a garage, you got a kitchen, you got ramen noodles, invite somebody over and give some of your ramen to them. If I don't learn how to make the most in this season, I probably won't make the most in the next season. There's more in Malta. I remember talking to this pastor in Kenya, and he said, when I first moved here, I, God called me to the northern part of Kenya. It was very poor. 
And he said, where we were at, there was nobody had any money. And God told me we were going to build a, a great church that would reach all the people in Northern Africa and in, in Northern Kenya. Well, the problem was nobody had any pennies, nickels, or dimes to help build and reach out to all the people. And so he was trying to figure out how do we get a location? How do we build a building? How do we have children's ministry? How can we help feed people who are hungry? Because he didn't want to just have service. He wanted to be an impact into the community, right? But he was in an impoverished area. So he started thinking, I got to raise money in America. I'm going to have to make trips and, and raise money in rich parts of Africa. Get them to donate money to this northern part of Kenya because it's poor here. And then God told him, start digging in the ground that's right beneath your feet. If you've ever heard the story of Acres of Diamonds, it's the story of a true story, a man who lived in South Africa, who left his farm. He had 40 acres and he went to search for diamonds in Sierra Leone, in Sudan, and all of these northern countries in Africa, thinking that the diamonds were out there, that ministry's out there, that victory is out there, that breakthrough is out there, that my best days are out there. And he left his farm to go search for it, and he never found it. For two years, searching for diamonds, never found it, ended up diving into a rushing river in Spain, ended his life in misery and depression. Someone else took that man's farm in South Africa, and began to uh, use the same plow, the same donkey, the same shack, stumbled across diamonds all across that field, discovered the largest diamond mine in the history of diamonds. The De Beers diamond mines was in the man's backyard, beneath the soil, in Malta, right where he left it to go and search for it out there. There's more than meets the eye. So this pastor in Kenya started digging beneath the soil in that northern part, that poor part of Kenya, and he ended up striking oil. And now it is the wealthiest area in Kenya. He's got people all over that area that are funding what they're doing to reach people in northern Kenya, to bring food to people. They didn't have to go out there to find it, and neither do you. The miracle is in Malta. The miracle is in the house. Learn to see the miracles. You see, our vision, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. If you're waiting for me to start the sermon, it's already starting. There's more than meets the eye in the season you're in. There was a pastor who prophesied over me two weeks ago. And he said, Paul, there are wells in Tulsa that have not been tapped into for revival that is supposed to flow out of Tulsa to the United States of America and to the world. There are prophecies that have been spoken like seeds in the ground. There is a harvest in this city, and all we have to do is prepare to plow the field. It might take some digging. It might take some work, but there are acres of diamonds in your marriage, in your house, in your business, at your job, with that bad supervisor, with those difficult people you work with, and you might go, Paul, I am stuck in Malta. And God says, no, you've been planted in Malta for such a time as this. And there are people you're called to reach right there. So Paul starts working in Malta, starts serving, starts getting involved. And right as he's getting close to the fire, there are certain things that won't happen until you get close to the fire. Snakes don't come out until you get close to the fire. As soon as Paul gets close to the fire. You are closer than you've ever been. If you're experiencing attacks, it's because the enemy sees how close you are to the miracle and the breakthrough that God has for you. As soon as Paul got close to the fire, a snake was driven out, a viper. Now, there's a lot of snakes in Oklahoma. I saw a snake this week, a gardener's snake. One of my friends put a fake snake in my office. I walked through the door, and it scared me so bad. I screamed. He had this snake just sitting in my office, a fake snake. 
But I've seen rattlesnakes in Oklahoma. I've seen cottonmouths. I've seen copperhead snakes. I want to just throw some snakes up on the screen so you can see what I'm talking about. There's all kinds of snakes that are out there. In fact, the devil shows himself in the very beginning of the Bible as a serpent, a snake. Snakes are cunning. Snakes are smart animals. They're not stupid. They, they, they know what they're doing. They're, they're watching from a distance. Over 8,000 people a year die from poisonous snake bites all over the world. And I was looking on this website of how do I avoid snake bites, and I thought it was really interesting. It was a wilderness website, but I thought it translated spiritually too. So I want to give you real quickly six ways to avoid snake bites. Number one, leave snakes alone. <laughs> That's a good point. Y'all are like, but the snake looks so handsome. He's so sweet. He, uh, he just looks so good. He's got a six-pack abs. He's a snake. But she's so hot, Pastor Paul. Snaky. <laughs> I'm not calling people snakes. I'm just saying there are some spirits that are operating, and we got to let them get set free before you get in a relationship to try to be a missionary dater to somebody. <laughs> I'm going to get some emails for this right now. I already know it. Some direct messages. Someone's going to get mad. Number one, leave snakes alone. Too many people get close to snakes. And you might go, well, I know they bit me before, but, but Paul, they've changed. Like, they're, they're different now. Just be careful. Be careful. Number two, avoid areas of tall grass and brush. This is the wilderness website, but I, I thought it's interesting. They said snakes like to hide in the unseen areas. They like to hide off the trails. Try to stay on the marked out trails. The Bible says, don't remove the ancient boundaries. Paul, this is outdated. We just need to, we need to get rid of the rules. We need to get rid of all the boundaries. We just need to do whatever we want to do. If it feels good, do it. Snakes like to hide outside of the marked out path. There's a reason why Jesus said the road that leads to heaven is narrow. And the path that leads to destruction is wide. Very many people are on it just doing whatever we want to do, just falling for any idea that sounds good. Number three, keep your hands and feet away from places you cannot see. So we got to guard. Where, where are my feet going? Where are my hands going? Am I paying attention to the direction that I'm, I'm getting involved in my life? Number four, be cautious and alert at all times. This sounds like 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter said, your enemy is smart. He is cunning. And he says, be sober and alert. Be aware. Don't have your head buried in the sand. The devil is not stupid. Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. Paul, the apostle knew that Satan was after him. He had targeted him. The devil studies you from the day you're born till the day he strikes. He watches the trauma you go through in your childhood because he's coming for that area. He's coming for the father wound. He knows that you had a struggle. You had a father that wasn't there to love you. So any guy that shows you attention, the enemy knows exactly. He studies you. He's not dumb. We can't underestimate the enemy. He knows your vulnerable areas. We got to be cautious and alert. Number five, wear protective clothing when you're out in the wilderness. This sounds like Ephesians chapter six. Paul the apostle wrote those very words. He says, put on the full armor of God. Wear protective clothing. Put on the helmet of salvation, which guards your mind, because snakes can, can hide up in trees. They're coming for your mind. 
I remember seeing this video posted on, on Instagram of a snake that was hiding above someone's door. It was like in a light next to the door. The snake had curled itself up there. And while they were going for the door, the snake was slithering down from the light. And a video camera that was outside of the door by the doorbell had caught the whole scene. The snake was preparing a bite on the person's head. The enemy knows if he can get in your mind. This is where the battlefield is at. So Paul says, wear protective clothing, keep your helmet of salvation on, guard your mind, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remember who you are, that you are the righteousness of God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. He paid for your forgiveness. He paid for your shame and you'll put on the belt of truth, shod your feet with the gospel of peace, lift up the shield of faith because there is fear all around you. There is heresy all around you and get the sword of the spirit. Don't forget to lift up your sword. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. The word is alive. It is powerful. This word has power. So wear protective clothing. Number six, don't make venomous snakes your pet. They're not a dog. A dog is a man's best friend, they say. A snake is not there to play with you, especially a poisonous snake. They aren't there to help you. Recently, Ash and I, we were walking down the street with our kids, and this mom was standing outside of her house with her daughter, and they were holding a massive snake. And, and the snake was like wrapped itself around their arms and was right there with them, and we were like, I rebuke this snake in Jesus' name. And uh, the boys were like, can we go touch the snake? And we were like, I don't know. You're just a little cautious. The enemy is coming for your family. Notice that the snake didn't just bite and release. The snake fastened itself to Paul. Who or what has fastened itself to you? Who or what has fastened itself to your kids? Be careful who you let fasten themselves to you. Paul, they're just just like hanging out with us. Not everybody is is trying to help you. Not everybody is trying to see you fulfill your purpose. Some people will fasten themselves to some things, a computer, Netflix. What program has fastened itself to your kids? What what stuff has tried to fat depression, drugs, things that we we, we, we go, well, Paul, I just need that. It, It just keeps me peaceful. There's things that fasten itself. They're eventually trying to kill you. It's trying to deplete you of energy. Here's what happens when a person gets bit by a snake. There's symptoms for snake bites. The first thing that goes is your vision. You start getting blurry vision. This is what the website says. When someone is bitten by a poisonous snake, they start seeing things that aren't real. They start imagining things that aren't true, and their vision gets blurry. Without a vision, people perish. This is why Habakkuk says, write the vision down, make it plain, because that vision is what's going to keep you on track. The symptoms of a snake bite is your appetite starts to decrease. And this is what happens for so many Christians who've been bitten by a snake. They, they, stop, they stop reading their Bible. They stop going to church. Their spiritual appetite changes. I don't even want to be around. I've been bitten by people. I've been hurt by the church. And I'm going to talk about it. I've been notice that Paul, when he got bit by a snake, he doesn't go on social media and start talking about the snake that bit him. Like, let me tell you about this poisonous snake that bit me. Paul knows I can't control what what happens to me, but I can control how I respond. What happens to me? It's a waste of time to describe the snake bite. 
The snake gets one verse, that's it. Don't give so much energy and news headlines to the snake bites in your life. It's not worth your time. Focus on your response. What are you gonna do? Not what happened to you, but how am I gonna respond? Because we waste energy fighting battles that are behind us instead of focusing on the enemy that's ahead of us. So here Paul is, he's been bitten. The next thing that happens, symptoms for snake bites, is you start, your muscles start becoming exhausted, fatigued, desensitized, loss of feeling, you become numb. This happens for so many believers. Why did this snake bite Paul's hand? It could have bitten his leg, could have bitten his head, could have bitten his heart, could have bitten his stomach, but it bit his hand. Why? I think there's four reasons the snake bites our hands. The four reasons why I think the enemy is after your hands. Number one, the enemy wants to stop you from working. Working is a hand thing. Construction guys, you use your hand for hammering. Use your hand to drill. Use your hand to saw. You use your hand. You use your hand for so many things to work, to work. And right now, the enemy wants to get everyone quitting their work. The enemy is trying to get this great resignation. Everybody just quit working. But the first thing God does when he starts creating the planet, for six days, the God who created us in his image, what does he do? He works. Well, Paul, it's just, it's not right to work these days. We just need to play video games, stay home, and let the government provide for us. And none of us need to work a job. I'm just, I'm done with work. I've been bitten by too many employers and too many companies. I just can't trust any place to work, so I'm not working anymore. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do to stop working. Well, Paul, I don't think it's biblical to tell me I need to work. Really? It's from Genesis to Revelation. You were not created to sit at your mom's house being lazy, playing video games all day, every day, checking out and not doing anything with your life. You were given gifts and talents. And Jesus says those who use their gifts and talents multiply their gifts and talents. But the one who hides his talent because he's angry because he's been bitten by too many bosses that weren't nice he loses the very talent that he had. Am I preaching the Bible to you this morning? I am. I am. The enemy comes after your hand to stop you from working, working, working. Secondly, he stops you from worshiping. Worship is a hand thing. Jared said it. Michelle said it. We use our hands not just to give in the offering, but our worship is not just, our worship is not just lip service to God. It's not just lifting our hands during the songs. Our worship is what are we doing with our life in response to what Jesus has done for us. My worship is a lifestyle. And the enemy wants me to live like this. I've had too many things happen to me, Paul, and I've, I've been bitten by people. I've been robbed by people. People have stolen from me. I've been let down. I've been disappointed. I have been hurt. You can be bit, but you don't have to be bitter. The enemy wants you to close your hand and stop worshiping, to just lose your worship, to just go, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to worship God. I don't, I don't want to do anything for God, God's people. I don't want to help anybody. This is what the enemy wants. He wants you to clench your fist. This is a posture of destruction, but this is a posture of life. This is, this is a posture of freedom. You want to start walking in victory? Live with open hands. Live with hands raised to Jesus. You want to see your best days yet? Stop living like this. Stop living like this. Start living like this. Start living like this. Thirdly, the enemy bites Paul's hand to stop him from writing. Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Over half the New Testament was written by Paul. Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Colossians. What was Paul doing? He was writing his story. You have a pen. 
Don't let people write your story. Don't let the crowd write your story. They'll tell you you're a murderer. They'll tell you you're an addict. They'll tell you you're messed up. You need to write, no, I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm convinced that neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul was writing his story, but the enemy wanted to get his hand to stop writing. The enemy wants to stop you from writing another chapter, another verse. I want the keys to come out. Some of you have stopped writing your story. You're letting other people write it. You're believing the headlines about you. You're believing what other people have said about you. You're believing what other people have talked about you. You're you're, you're accepting the words of others and you've, you've stopped writing. The enemy was after Paul's hand to stop him from working, from worshiping, from writing, and fourthly, from winning. Winning. The enemy wanted to stop Paul from believing he had a winning hand. I'm not a poker player, but I know this. Some people fold because they believe they got a bad hand. So they go, I'm not playing this one. I got a bad hand. If the enemy can convince you that he's got a better hand than you, then he doesn't even have to, you don't even have to play. You just fold. And so many believers have folded. They've just said, I got nothing, man. This season's terrible. I'm stuck in Malta. There's nobody here for me. Nothing's going good. I'm getting bit by snakes. I'm shipwrecked. I have bad luck. I got a bad hand. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because you got the king of kings in your hand. You got royalty in your hand. You got the secret ingredient. You got, you got something that the devil doesn't have. You got a relationship with the one who sits on the throne, which means that no matter what comes against you, you still got a good hand. Somebody say, I still got a good hand. See, the winning hand is a winning mindset. And winning is not what happens out here. We're trying to teach our kids this right now because they're playing sports and, and they lose a game and they think they've lost their life. Like, it's so bad. I lost. No, you didn't. Because you can lose a game out here, but still win in here. We got to tell this to the OU Sooners right now. We got to tell this to sometimes to the Dallas Cowboys. Just because you lose out here doesn't mean you have to lose in here. Winning is a mindset. Win all day, baby. It's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a, when I say I'm blessed, I don't mean that I don't walk through pain and trials and difficulties. Being blessed is the ability to rise above the loss out here and believe on the inside that God is still good right here. So when I say I'm winning, I don't mean that I don't experience loss and grief and difficulty and damage and shipwrecks and relationships that aren't easy. But I just mean that I've decided on the inside, I'm not going to be a loser. I'm more than a conqueror. I got a winning mindset. If the enemy can bite your hand and fasten itself, this is why Paul didn't wait very long. Once that snake was was not letting go, Paul realized that snake ain't going to let go. So watch this in verse verse four. Are y'all still there? Verse four. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. The islanders will always assume and assign reasons for your snake bite. You know what I'm saying? The church is like, he must have done something wrong to go through that. He must be a sick sinner. We know his sick sinning mindset. He is a bad guy. He's a murderer. And they'll always say worse things. You know what I'm saying? Ten people in the room are like, yeah. (laughs) 
the islanders, this is why you can't attach your identity or your worth or your story to what the islanders have to say. Because the islanders will tell you you're a God one day, Hosanna, and then crucify on the next day. The fickleness of the crowd. The crowd is always changing their minds about you. But God's not changing his mind about you. So the islanders point at Paul and they go, this man must be a murderer. He deserved to be bitten by the snake. She deserved for her husband to leave her. They deserve to go through that. And if I live off the compliments of people, I will die by the criticism of people. This is why we gotta be careful not to be so quick to assume the worst or the best about someone. Sometimes people are just people and they just get bit by snakes. I don't know. You ever gotten bit by a snake and you weren't sure if you deserved it or not? Yeah. Has things ever happened to you? And so they said, justice will not allow him to live. But Paul, verse five, I love this. But Paul shook the snake off. Somebody say, shake it off. Shake it off. Some of you, you just need to shake that snake off. And he shook it back into the place it came from. He shook it into the fire. He shook it into the fire and he suffered no ill effects. Some of you are about to come through. Paul, listen, Paul the apostle had remembered the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went through the fiery furnace, but they came out not even smelling like smoke. Some of you have been bitten by a poisonous snake, but you won't even look like you walked through that. You won't even, you'll have a smile on your face and people going, I thought he got bit. Why is he so happy? Why is he rejoicing? God wants them to see how you respond. God, want, God set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He's about to anoint your head with oil. Your cup's about to overflow and people will watch it happen. Come on, if you need to know that God is with you, no matter what you go through. God may not have stopped the snake from biting Paul, but he did stop the snake from killing Paul. The weapon might be formed against you. You might experience the consequences of your bad decisions or someone else's bad decisions, but let me tell you this. When you fix your focus on Jesus, he's gonna cover you through it. He's gonna lead you through it. He's gonna give you grace through it. So here Paul is, he's bitten. And verse six, the people expected him to suddenly die. They're watching. People are watching. And it says they waited for a long time. <laughs> They're checking up. They're like, have you heard about Paul? Is he okay? Is he doing all right? What about Johnny? Is Johnny okay? Acting like they're concerned. They're just watching, waiting for you to die. <laughs> but once they saw that nothing unusual happened to him, Keep on watching. Keep on watching. God's not finished with you yet. Once they saw that nothing unusual happened to him, they changed their minds and said he must be a God. Paul knew, I'm not a God, but I'm also not the devil. Like, I'm not terrible, but I'm also not great. I'm human. I'm so glad God uses humans. Permission to be human. Any humans in the room, you know you're not an angel, but you're also not a demon. Some of y'all be acting like you got a halo over your head. You're like, I'm blessed and highly favored, never made a mistake in my life. Yes, you have. You're human and it's okay. Welcome to Victory, a human church. No perfect people allowed here, but here's the good news. We have a perfect savior who looks at you and says, you're not, you're not an angel, you're not a demon, you're a person. 
and you're a candidate for the grace of God. You're a candidate for the mercy of God to flow through. So in verse seven, Paul realizes there's an estate nearby. Now, this is where it gets really good. I love this. This estate belonged to the chief official of the island. He welcomes us into his home and he shows us generous hospitality for three days. While they're eating, Paul looks out of the corner of his eyes. Someone walks out of one of the rooms that he hadn't been in in the house. And when the door opens, he sees this man coughing up blood, sees this man bent over the bed, kind of an older man, frail. And Paul asks the chief, who's that man in there? He looks really sick. Who's that man? This is why Paul's here. This is why you're here. This is why I'm here. This is why you had to go through the snake bite. This is why you went through the storm. Paul says, who's that man in there? What's going on? He looks sick. And the chief says, that's my dad. That's my dad. That's my father. He's been suffering for a long time. He's been sick. It's getting worse. His grandpa was like this. He's like this. Someday I'll be like this. Just a generational father wound, a generational curse. Paul says, let's break this curse today. This is why I'm here. This is why I was bit. Paul goes into the room. He says, you're sick. You're hurting. I've been there before. See, you went through the thing you went through. Your opportunities are connected to your adversity. God will give you opportunities that never would have fallen in your lap had you not walked through the shipwreck. Paul thought he was there because of a wreck. God had him there for revival. God had him there. His mess would become his message. His test was his testimony. His snake bite was the platform for miracles and power to flow through. Paul knew the very hand that was bitten to be stopped being used by God would be the same hand God would flow through to bring healing to a sick man. The hand that had been bitten with poison would now be the hand where you got bit the worst. Why did the enemy bite your marriage? Because your marriage is about to be used as a great platform to minister to other married couples that have walked through the same storm as you. Why did God, why did, why did God allow certain things to happen to you? Why didn't it stop? And we get into this, this theological question. Why did this happen? Why didn't God stop it? Maybe God could use it. He didn't send it, but maybe he could use it as your ministry in Malta. Maybe he could use it. The kid that got hurt, the family member that went through that thing, that situation financially where you were attacked. What if that hand was actually the hand that God says through that place where you were hurt the worst in that area of your life where you were hurt the hardest, that's the area that I'm going to release the most healing. You're going to be a wounded healer. You're going to have a limp. There's going to be something connected to what you've walked through that's going to bring healing to so many ministers, so many leaders, so many people from the north, south, east, and west. They will come because of the hand you were dealt. That hand that was meant to be stopped is about to be the hand that stretches far and wide to heal an entire island. I don't know who I'm talking to. Some of you have been bitten by life, but you have a choice to get bitter or to get better. Paul, Paul takes his hand out in verse eight. I, I gotta show you this. this. This is so powerful. I love this whole chapter. Luis, will you stand up? And you represent the Father. So here Paul is. He's standing with the Father. And Andrew, will you stand up? You're gonna represent the snake. I want you to stand on this side. I want you to grab my hand. As I'm trying to stretch it out, grab it and pull it back. The snake wants to hold you back. I remember asking my dad before he passed away, Dad, what's the most important advice you would give to someone in ministry? He said, if you don't get bitter, you'll make it. If you don't get bitter, there will be so many opportunities to get bitter at people who let you down 
people who hurt you, people who lash out at you, situations that are just painful and that will leave you bitter if, if, if you're not careful. But if you don't get bitter, you'll make it. That's what someone told my dad, too, when he asked for advice. They said, Billy Joe, if you don't get bitter, you'll make it. If you don't get bitter. How do you not get bitter? That snake has fastened itself onto you. It's not going anywhere. You have to choose what you're going to do with that hurt. You have to choose. It will stop you from writing. It will stop you from giving. It will stop you from worshiping. It will stop you from healing others. It will stop you from sharing your testimony. People who get bit and they don't deal with it right, eventually they start just trying to hide it all. Just keep it here. I don't want anyone to know what I've walked through is so painful. But Paul shook it off and he stretched out that hand. And you could still see the bite marks that were there. You could still see the fangs that had latched itself in his arm. Maybe there was blood there. Y'all like, that's disgusting. You just got to get rid of it. You just got to, you got to use what the enemy meant for harm. And Did you know that the cure to Ebola is found in Ebola? The same thing that brought sickness was also the healing. The cure was found in the sickness. Poisonous snake bites, the only cure to poisonous snake bites is actually the anti-venom that removes the poison is found from the venom of that snake. How do you get the venom to cure the venom? You have to get it somehow. What I'm trying to say is the thing that you have something special if you've been bitten by a snake. I remember I got COVID and I was talking to the doctor. I don't have it right now, but I got it back in, in 2020. And um, don't worry, I, I stayed away from you. But <laughs> y'all are like, oh no. But I talked to the doctor. He said, you know, when you get COVID, you get the antibodies for a certain amount of time. It gives you strength. Um, once you have it, you're able to get through it. You're actually, there is, there is a, a, an immunity that builds up the antibodies from the COVID. And, and what I realized is the snake bite for Paul. Jesus became sin because that's what would bring the cure for our righteousness. Jesus had to take the curse upon himself. He had to get the poison inside of himself. He had to take your lust. He had to take your greed. He had to take your anger. He had to take your father wound. He had to take the abuse you walked through from your parents. He had to take all the junk that you did, all the stuff you said, all the things that happened to you, the nasty, dirty stuff. Jesus said, put it on me. Put the poison on me. Jesus literally crushed the thorns and the poison went down into his veins. The spear went in his side. The nails came in his hands. But it was from the blood that was pouring out from a perfect, pure, lamb of God who took the poison of me that gave me righteousness by his stripes I am healed I become the righteousness of God the healing flows through the hand that was bitten I don't know who I'm preaching to right now but you have healing power because of the stuff you've walked through you have freedom because of the stuff you've been through stand up on your feet all over this place you have a testimony that is beautiful you have a mess that you have walked through and you've been trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do with this story? God says, that's the story that's gonna bring me glory. That story is gonna help bring freedom to other people. It's gonna bring healing to other people. When the island found out that the man that Paul prayed for got healed, it says people came from the north, south, east, and west. I see this room filled with people from all over the world. People are coming to victory for the 11 a.m. service from all over the world. 
we're gonna see this whole room filled with prodigal sons, prodigal daughters, pastors who threw in the towel. They're gonna come to victory. They're gonna find healing. They're gonna go back and pastor again. They're gonna go lead their ministries. The best day, Tulsa's about to have revival. Revival, where the enemy struck the hardest. There's a, what was meant to be a wreck turned into revival on the island. They were wrecked on an island for revival. You have been set here on purpose. And then it says, because revival kept flowing, the island was more blessed because of these prisoners who ended up there. They came there as prisoners, but they left as free men. Some of you have been through such a storm. It feels like you've been a captive, but God says, I'm going to use the shipwreck to set you free. I'm going to use the snake bite to release your greatest healing ministry you've ever seen yet. You had to go through it. If you didn't go through it, you wouldn't have a mature ministry. You'd be shallow. You'd be, si you'd be sitting over there in, in the shore, but because you went through the shipwreck, because you experienced the snake bite, that's where I'm going to release the greatest power. I want us just to close our eyes all over this place. God loves you. He's for you. He's with you. He has a plan for you. And he cares about what you're walking through. I want to pray for anyone who's been bitten today. Anyone who's just been hit by life. It's like the enemy has just attacked you in some way. Tried to steal your confidence. Tried to steal your hope. Tried to steal you, uh, even your peace. There's just been confusion. There's been anxiety. There's been fear. There's been panic, worry. If the enemy's been trying to mess with your financial confidence, with your generosity, with your peace, with your marriage, with your family, with your children, as a single, thinking that you'll never find the right one, thinking that you'll never be able to have kids, as a married couple praying to have kids, I don't know where the enemy has tried to strike at you, but he's been trying to mess with you. He's been trying to plant seeds of fear. He's been trying to plant seeds of, of, of hopelessness, of defeat, of depression, discouragement. I wanna pray for you today. We're gonna get that, shake, that snake shake off that poison removed you're about to walk out of here today with a hand to heal with a winning hand to walk in victory with a hand to face everything that's been happening in your life and you're gonna get back in your work you're gonna get back in your worship you're gonna get to writing again you're gonna start writing the next chapter for the story of your life who am I preaching to if that's you today I want you to just lift your hand up today if you've experienced some things in your life where you just need to shake it off you need to shake it off whatever it is it's been messing with you I want you to leave your seat come and join me at this altar all over this room from the back row all the way to the front row if you're here today and you just need to shake some stuff off shake it off into the fire we're going to worship we're going to lift our hands up and we're going to release to God all the things that have happened and we're going to say my response is to forgive and to trust and to release and to give it to God I'm going to lift my hands even though I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death even though I have walked through pain and loss and damage and shipwrecks and snake bites, I choose to lift my hands, to stretch out my hands, to let him heal me again, to let him move through me again. Go ahead, Israel. Let's just worship in this place. Just give it to God today, right here, right now.
in Jesus' name. Be healed in your mind, in your heart, in your body. God loves you. He is for you. He is with you. He is your healer. He's your healer. He's a heartbreak healer. I just hear God saying, I've seen everything you've walked through, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've seen how they treated you. I've seen the pain you endured. I've seen how you, you walked through things that were not fair. But God says, you still have a winning hand. You still have a winning hand. And God says, I'm gonna use what the enemy meant for harm for your good because you stood the test, because you persevered. God says there's a reward on the other side of the pain you've walked through. There's a breakthrough. There's a ministry of healing that's gonna flow through you because of the pain you went through. God's gonna use you to bring healing to other women who've walked through that same thing. God's gonna use the pain you've walked through to be a cure for men who face that same thing. Parents who've walked through that thing that are walking through it right now, God says, what you walk through is not purposeless. There is a purpose. He never wastes a trial when you give it to him. He never wastes the pain when you give it to him. God says, I'm gonna redo, I'm gonna redeem you and I'm gonna renew you. As I was praying for people, I saw this picture of a mosaic of all of these pieces that had been broken. A mosaic is, is one of those unique pieces of art where it's got all these broken pieces that have been put back together and it's, it's beautiful. It's just different than what the picture would have been like if it wasn't cracked. People will pay a lot of money for a beautiful mosaic for those cracked pieces, broken pieces that have been brought back together in a unique way. And there is something so amazing about those, those mosaics that is connected to so many people's lives. You've walked through so many things and God says, I'm putting all the pieces together for something beautiful. God says, I'm putting it all together for something beautiful. And God says, all the stuff that you've had to go through, he said, it, it, there's a purpose connected to it. I didn't send it, but I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna work through it. God works all things together for good, Paul said. And Romans chapter eight, for those who are called according to his purpose, and you are called, and you are his sons and daughters, and he's working it all together for good. And he's removing the poison, and he's releasing the healing. I wanna pray for anyone today that just needs healing. If you need healing, lift your hands up. His healing power is here to, to touch and to, to bring healing to your mind, to your heart, your body your family in Jesus name. If you're a believer, would you stretch your hands out to those that have their hands raised? And we just pray right now, Lord, for healing, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician. I pray for healing in people's backs, healing in people's blood, healing in people's immune system. I pray for healing to hearts that have been broken this year healing to marriages and families, between mothers and sons, fathers and daughters, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. 
I pray, God, for healing in minds where there's depression, where there is a stronghold of sin, where there is a cycle of, of, of just feeling stuck in, in, in a bad mindset, in a dark mindset, that today, God, you're setting the captives free. You're healing minds and hearts and marriages and families and homes, God. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that you're raising up wounded healers, people, God, who've walked through pain. They've got the marks, the scars, but Lord, they're gonna have the courage to stretch their hand out and pray for healing for other people. They're gonna minister in their workplace, in their school. They're gonna minister in their neighborhood, in their dorm room. They're gonna bring hope and healing to people who are lost and confused, who are broken. God, you, you've placed us here on purpose because we have a purpose. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead to give me life. My name is written in your book. I repent of my sins and I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord and Savior and I receive your healing power. I'm shaking off everything that tried to make me bitter and I'm walking in victory. My best days are right in front of me because Jesus lives inside of me. So I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.